0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Type 1 Lifting Podcast. I have a very good friend of mine. Uh, his name is Brad. I've worked with him for probably about three years to get on and off. Yeah, three years total. And uh, so I just wanted to welcome you to the show. Well,
1: it's great to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. really excited. Uh, I've been watching what you've been doing. And uh, I think it's awesome. What an amazing way taken a life experience and figure out how to serve other people with it. I wish everybody could could have a, a similar similar position in
0: life. Yeah, I appreciate that. So so Brad and I we're we uh, we were personal trainers at the gym. Um, that I used to work at, and he moved on to another gym but uh so he was one of the guys that I would talk to if I had like a question of like like fitness or like movements or like kind of like throw something out there to him and kind of get his perspective on you know what my thoughts were and what his thoughts were with the movement so he, he was kind of like my little he was like my guru my guru fitness guy when it comes to like any lifting or or whatnot, so any questions like you know definitely would throw it at his way so um I kind of want to talk to you, talk to you about like how you started into the fitness realm and like what you got you there and uh, and kind of like your minor league baseball career too. Oh, oh
1: man, a different lifetime. Uh, fifty three. I'll turn fifty three this year, and so yeah, we're going back over half of my life ago. Um, but uh, started playing. I grew up in Central Illinois huge baseball uh, area and um, in a family with an older brother, younger brother and uh, eventually a younger sister and my dad loved baseball, coached me growing up and baseball was just something that we just always did It it was just what the family did and um
0: Awesome, very cool. I mean, that's that's a good good thing to say for especially for like the new kids that are coming into this world. That you know, it's a good life lesson. You know, you got to work hard to get what you want. And so and now, like you said, nothing comes in a silver platter as well. So um, how did you get into like when did you realize when you were playing baseball you started to be like really really good and then like how like what was the progression from like high school to college or like you know and then to the minors.
1: time with that. Uh, I think uh, what was going on inside my own head ultimately um, sped the demise of my future in baseball and probably caused me to be ejected out of the system and into normal life just a little bit quicker than maybe what I otherwise could have done. If I had more self-confidence and more of a vision and when le- was less of my own worst enemy, I probably could have could have gone farther, um, but ultimately that's what came around, and, and um, so uh, I, I I did really well in high school. I did have some success relatively early, but uh, I think it was more uh, a byproduct of me hitting the gym when I was um, sophomore in high school. I started just by swinging a lead. the beginning of me actually becoming a gym rat or at least discovering enjoyment of training of having a defined purpose having a defined goal and wanting to work towards it so i would swing 500 times right-handed 500 times left-handed um growing up in central illinois i didn't couldn't really afford batting gloves so i would be in the basement and i had these nasty winter gloves you know, you'd probably buy it from Sears back then. Mm-hmm. Oh, and they were full of sweat, and they, they stunk really bad, you know, because <laughs> they were full of sweat. Yeah. they never really dry out from the day before. You know, oh, it was disgusting. But I would be in a dark basement, um, swinging this lead-filled bat, just getting stronger and stronger. And um, my older brother, four years older than me, He was working out at a gym, and when I started hearing stories about he and his friends going to the gym, then it didn't take long before I started thinking, wow, maybe there's something more I can do to get better at baseball, love baseball, could never get enough, and I really started to fall in love with the practice of it, the process of getting better and training, because it started to translate into being better on the ball field, which is really what I wanted. Mm -hmm. Um, so uh, that led to getting a gym membership and learning how to train and learning how to uh, train for strength. A lot of the stuff I did was good, a lot of it was absolutely horrible. And you got to remember, this was back in the 80s. Back in the 80s, when training as an athlete, or and even more so as a baseball player, that was not something anybody really ever said. In mm-hmm. fact, even at the major league level. They were discouraging guys from lifting weights. And it just sounds ridiculous now. Uh, but it was not long ago. And I, know that I think a lot of the athletes nowadays, they don't understand how quickly things have changed. And the speed at which we've had to learn and learn things. And how quickly we're still learning things. And how stuff that we're doing now, uh, there's a decent chance that it's not the best way to be doing it. Mm-hmm. And we're going to figure that out in the next five or 10 or 15 years moving forward in the future. That these athletes nowadays are going to look back at what they're doing and go, wow, you know, there's a lot of good there, but there's a lot of things we were not necessarily the best thing to be doing. And, and, that, and, and that was definitely true for me. Um, fortunately, uh, I was good enough to move on uh, to the college level. I was just starting to get noticed, but was definitely not good enough to to make it into professional baseball. Uh, When I was a senior in high school, uh, I did have some pro scouts um, come and watch me play, but they always ended up telling my parents and my coach, yeah, he needs to go the college route. Fortunately, my dad was a college professor at the area junior college that had a tremendous baseball history and program. Um... And at the time, the school offered free tuition to the family members, so um, we were not a rich family. uh, Very much middle class, working class. And uh, so I got my first two years uh, of tuition for free and played baseball, more or less majored in baseball. (laughs) (laughs) Found my way. Found my way, um, headed down to the great state of Georgia, Um, got recruited to come down here, and went to a uh, school down in Savannah, Georgia, called Armstrong State, which was a small school, but a tremendously rich um, baseball history. And um, probably one of the best things I could have done. one of those, Decisions you make in life that determines the direction that your life is going to go in. Mm-hmm. You just don't realize it at the time. Yeah.
0: And uh, one of the best things that unknowingly I did was was come down to Georgia. hmm Awesome. Very cool. So now, when did the when did the like the pro when did like the scouts really notice you? And when you got did you get did you get drafted and then go to the minors or how did that work?
1: No, I was never drafted. which just is kind of a consistent theme that uh, even though I, I did really well, I was a two-time All-American and I set three NCAA records, but inside my head, I was always chasing and always being nagged by demons of, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough, and, and um, my work ethic was probably what kept me from self-destructing even before. So I chased down um, free agent contracts, played some semi-pro ball, played some very competitive ball um, before it just became obvious that I got a better shot moving on in life rather than pursuing baseball. Mm -hmm. And and this was um, right around the time that I met – the woman who became my wife and so the close of
0: the book and the opening of another chapter moving on from baseball yeah very cool and and so I I really do I had other
1: opportunities that I could have pursued with tryouts with other teams I had gone to several um, major leagues and spoken with lots of scouts and lots of baseball people and i was watching and hearing about guys that i felt like i was better than move on and yet i was always kind of bitter Mm -hmm. and angry that i did not get more of a shot didn't get the recognition that i felt like my
0: definitely so when did uh, when did you kind of like snap out of being like angry you know mad about the situation and when did you realize like hey you know I need to really move on and like go someplace else in life well I well now
1: I mean for you and I we know the value of coaching yeah Know the value of human beings interacting with people we know the value of guidance and hope and vision and having a plan. And we both work in a gym environment where we see lots of people trying and and trying to do it by themselves. And I don't think I ever really was gonna do that at that point in just, in a general life sense. It, It took the woman that I married, took my wife Dawn to really help me to grow up, to begin to appreciate more about myself to um, feel comfortable in my skin as, as a young man and and to not define myself as a baseball player, mm. which I think for all my life up to that point, I had defined myself by this sport and by this game. And now I was forced to have to define myself along different terms. And so it was a process. I was bitter and angry um, for probably... I guess two two to three years before I just gradually, day in, day out matured into somebody more than just a baseball player and, and then a former baseball player and uh, wanted to be, could have been but never was type of a baseball player or person, you know um, took me a while to move on from that but mm-hmm. uh, gosh now I look at it and, and uh, with clients now and even this morning and talking fitness with somebody who um, is going to start working with one of my trainers the nature of the conversation is you know you're more than that body right there we can define program of sets and reps and we can get you to where you want to be but uh, that's not what good trainers do good trainers are in personal development and there's more to you than sets and reps and workouts we're gonna have you do
0: mm-hmm.
1: we gotta work on you as a whole person
0: Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, when did you get into like the, when did you start doing like coaching, like and, like personal training throughout? Oh uh, yeah, good question. So, you know, me being a baseball guy and a former baseball guy, and
1: when you're one of those guys and people don't understand who you are, it doesn't take long before Somebody's playing in a softball league and they need somebody to fill in and then they're going, hey, you want to come play? And then the first time you step in a batter's box and you're used to swinging at nasty-looking breaking balls and, you know, fastball. softball flying up at there doesn't you've got more than just your average hitting, um, hitting the ball. And then all of a sudden, the uh, guys start. And before you know it, their kid wants help with their swing. And you're helping people do camps. And you're helping people to refine their swing and get better. And and then that, that athlete needs to get stronger. it's not just about baseball and now it's about becoming a stronger athlete and, and and moving on from there so that's kind of where it all started
0: nice so what certifications do
1: you have uh, i've got three nutrition certifications um i've got uh npti i've got uh, npti is uh uh a school that I went to and studied with, and then ultimately became a, a, an instructor there. And that's a personal training trade academy. They still exist. Um, separate schools in nationwide, uh, big cities usually. Um, and that was a 500 hour course where you actually got to spend 500 hours in the gym practicing program design with clients. And you studied 300 hours of Kinesiology, biology, energy systems, nutrition, all this kind of stuff. So, um, it's a deep, deep dive. So, for most people, MPTI certification means nothing. Um, but for those who have gone through the program, understand the commitment. And it cost me um, a year of my life. And also, sports medicine they have a sports nutrition course completed that and then um uh blanking on the other one precision carry uh a number of trade certifications um National Academy of Sports Medicine uh, certified personal trainer, CrossFit level one, active life um, certification for helping people to be able to treat and diagnose uh, pain and injury and help them to stay in the gym without losing time by going to a doctor. Um,
2: it's probably enough before you completely lose your audience.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was perfect. Actually, I had no idea you were a CrossFit level one. You got your cert for uh, CrossFit level one. That's that. That's awesome. So, um, so, uh, so since you've been training tra- personal training people for a long period of time, what have you seen as a change from when you started to pretty much now? And like you know, you could do through like athletes or just like the regular like like you know average Joe at a personal training at, at a regular gym.
1: Intentionally train where I train because I think it's the hardest type of training you can get. Uh, General fitness gym working with a population base that's got all the odds of life stacked against them and all the reasons to not show up in the gym uh, and all the reasons to not uh, have the money to be able to pay me and my staff of trainers uh, in the gym um, to be able to find a better vision and a better um, version of themselves. Uh, general fitness training is, I think is the toughest thing you got. You know, you're not just rolling into a gym with people that, um, are excited Mm -hmm. to go through a brutal and punishing workout where they're going to suffer and experience pain. These are people that are really struggling to be in there. And somehow, in spite of all the obstacles and reasons why they don't want to be in the gym, you still have to find results for them. I think it's the most challenging place for a trainer, uh, the most rewarding. I think there's the greatest opportunity to have an impact on people is in that environment. It's not in the um, speed and agility, sports performance arena. Really, even in the CrossFit gym, I think it's in general fitness where general people exist and they need to get up to find a new purpose in life and to become something more than what they currently see in their own lives.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's why I exist where I'm at
1: and I do what I do, and that's why I get up out of bed because that's the kind of impact, and those are the kind of people that I.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, um, so what do you like what are the ways to get people like fired up for their day of training? Or like, you know, you know, how do you get them motivated if they kind of are like kind of having a like a rough day or a rough week? Like what's your way of motivating them? Oh well, it's pretty straightforward.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because that is the best thing you can do for somebody is help them to define their goal, define the purpose to get there, and go. This is how athletes work. The goal is not to run around a baseball diamond and throw a ball around and swing a bat and and chew bubble gum. It is to win the game. You must know the score. You must know the process. You must know the rules of the game, and you must try to win. Otherwise, we're just running around looking like a bunch of idiots with a ball and leather gloves on our hand. And, you know, the same kind of thing with training. You must have a defined purpose. You must have a way to evaluate success. And you must have a reason that when I get up and I get out of this warm, comfortable bed and I move forward with my day, what do I want to achieve and what am I going to do to make myself a better person in the gym? Mm -hmm. And if you help your clients... To focus on that and your clients know exactly what your role is in their life that's all the motivation they need and if you can in a very short quick sense remind them of what that is very quickly or at least how today's workout is going to progress you towards that
0: it's not too hard to get somebody to snap into place mm-hmm. yeah I, I had one client that uh that I had that every time she would do like want to do Olympic lifting, so I'd help her. I, I I was pretty much teaching her how to do the Olympic lifts, and so every day when she walked into the drop her kids off and come around the desk, I screamed so loud like saying like oh yeah let's get ready to lift and like everyone in the gym heard it, and it's, then after I said that she would just go like do like a you know Rick Flair like Woo, just to get excited about it, and like that like I I I make sure like for me when I. If someone's having a rough day, I try to make it like you know, ha- make it a better day for them. Like getting excited, you know, getting them amped up, you know, pretty much just, you know, me having me being there just to try to make them like have a, b- a better session. So because obviously, you and I know if you have a bad session, it's not it's right from the start. If they're having a bad day, that session can go right to the crapper real quick. But if you try to get them motivated, I mean, like that girl I was telling you about, like it's. You know, it it, their day's gonna get better, and they're gonna see better results.
1: Yeah, you definitely need to know. I mean, every every session, you are on a job interview, and you have to reinforce your role and your value in that person's life. It's not necessarily a financial transaction, a business transaction. Mm -hmm. This is a life human being transaction. We are there, um, and we're both getting something out of it and it is more than a business transaction. Um, Of course, sometimes you have a session, somebody is in such a space in life that the last thing they need is to go lift a dumbbell because it's not going to get them closer to what they need uh, in their goal. Mm -hmm. So sometimes somebody will walk in and the question is, hey, what's going on? How are you doing today? And then the tears start to flow and that's when we just walk out the back door and we go for a walk through uh, the park or the woods and we start putting things back together again. So, um, you know, you have to serve the
0: person first and the athlete second. And, um, you know, it's it's something that you have to learn how to read people.
1: Mm-hmm. You do know, to yeah. get them to where they
0: want to be Yeah, I, I agree. Reading people is, is huge in the personal training space and especially knowing if they're about to lose it, you know, when you know when to go out and just, you know, stop the session and just figure it out. Cause we're kinda like we're kinda like therapists pretty much. So you know, they tell us more more in personal things than they would tell anybody else. And like we're pretty much strangers to them sometimes, but like we get a good rapport. But yeah they they tell you everything and so yeah good trainers good trainers are training human beings they're not just designing a workout they're not just making
1: people sweat they're not drill sergeants they truly move the spirit they truly move the soul and you know that's that's the beauty of what, what we do yeah it's so much more than just sets and reps and how intense and and how close to a PR are we getting and so much more than
0: that yeah so what do you look f- so what do you look for well what the what, what is a good definition for you for a gr- a great trainer Yeah, I agree. So um, with this whole like COVID-19 thing, that coronavirus, so how are you able – How? so what are you doing for training your clients right now?
1: could have been a bag of dog food or a bag of mulch it's just anything that you have laying around the house Mm -hmm. we had one where we got a wheelbarrow and we threw whatever landscape material you could do in it we did deadlifts we did farmer's carries um this was very much a down home style body weight um intensity type thing and uh So I think that was probably the biggest, um, most effective thing that we did for people is we put them on a, uh, it was about a five week course. uh,
2: um,
1: And anybody, and we did that, we opened this up. This is normally programming that we charge for, but we opened it up for the whole gym um, at Bodyplex Hamilton Mill, where where I do most of my work. We've got close to 3000 members there. We opened it up free charge for everybody who just wanted to click on, watch video, get a good laugh, and then get a well-designed program um, to be able to stay uh, moving yeah. during, the, during
0: the time they were at home. Yeah. You should have seen me. I I was uh, shoveling a patio, so I had a wheelbarrow. You should have videotaped me in the backyard. I, was, I, 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 had a, I, I shoveled out a 17 by 12 foot square. to to fill with concrete and all that stuff and so like literally for four hours it was doing deadlifts and farmers carries like down a hill and making sure like none of the dirt just like goes all over the grass and stuff it was just an absolute mess (laughs) you (laughs) should but yeah it was that i mean you definitely should have came over and videotaped me doing that so (laughs) but um, so awesome so with uh So, with everyone, so in with Georgia and Florida and like Tennessee, they're starting to bring people back into the gyms. I know the gym that I'm at, they're opening in the 13th. And so, when you guys are slowly like opening up, do you think it's a good idea for people to, you know, like max out like all their lifts in the beginning or just go or pretty much just like see what they can get by feel or just try to get to where their numbers were before? They, la- they before like the whole COVID-19 thing yeah well if they've had a home gym and they've been uh, uh, progressing through their
1: periodization and uh, without it then why not walk into the gym if uh, if the day's plan was to, to get after it then, then why not uh, but most people are probably not like that most people are probably not like me where they've got a full power rack behind them and bumpers and plates and been going at it Um, I've spent probably 20 years building my home gym most people are not in that situation so of course not I think uh, um, your relatively recent training has to dictate what that first um, block of time in the gym looks like don't really care where you are at any more than four or five or six weeks ago that doesn't cycle where we're hitting 50 60 and 70 percent of any kind of max on any kind of lift and you're just building a movement base you're getting reacclimated to a different environment a different situation a different barbell it feels different in your hands um uh, you're breathing different air Um, you're in a different space all of that just—it all kind of goes into the the human mechanism and your experience, and it'll throw you off. So, you just got to get reacclimated to it. Um, and so, that's—I think most people are probably somewhere in that realm there, rather than walking in um, ready to to go
0: crazy. Yeah. No, I I agree. I I really do think like you said they should start at like 50 to 70% of their one rep max to even like just get the, the feel going with with it. So, um what are your so I I'm I'm really big into like getting stronger. So, what is a great what are great accessory works that you that you like to do with your clients to get them stronger, you know, from like, you know, squatting wise or like benching or, you know, anything pretty much for your shoulders?
1: Yeah, you, gotta, you always got to establish where somebody is at. Um, you need to do some movement uh, assessments. I need to know where are the limitations? Are the limitations structural? Um, uh, are there flexibility and mobility limitations to where that client is at? Um, have they ever loaded significantly in the past? Where is their nervous system at? Do they even know what a heavy load feels like and how to control their body under a heavy load? Um, you know, there's a lot of things that, that we evaluate on where somebody is at before we ever uh, get them loaded and get them moving with any kinds of intensity, whether that's uh, under intensity of an energy demand, um, breathing under a heavy load. Uh, lots of things that, that so you got to start with an assessment. You got to have a qualified person give you that kind of a feedback And tell you where you're at and help you understand where you're at in uh, uh, in the process Then um, then you can you can uh, start to diagnose um, What do you need to be doing? What are the movements that Uh, you need to be able to create more of uh, a balanced movement, so that's kind of how we go about it. We want to make sure that we are creating strength first by making it a whole healthy human moving joint without restrictions and without flow, and you can make significant strength gains just by improving weaknesses in the joint. Mm -hmm. Once we have a healthy moving joint, and we don't have any restrictions from Strength. But range of motion is a really customized personal kind of thing. I guarantee my knees don't move uh, through as good of a range of motion as what they did when I was 25. Same here. So. <laughs> Same here. <laughs>
0: great i've actually have clients that i had like other trainers at other gyms like other gyms like teach them and they actually get injured from them doing like you know workouts on their lower back they have back issues and they're doing them having to do like, like twists with the cables and all that stuff and it's like no you can't do that that's the reason why they're getting hurt they need to do other ways to get their back stronger or you know other workouts that don't really involve twisting movements to that degree because that's how they hurt their back in the first place. So, yeah. So awesome. So um, where, where can people like find you or have any questions? Um, actually, before that, um, if you have a new trainer that, that came in that was looking for advice, what would you tell them about, you know, what to expect as a beginning trainer and what, how to learn to get better? Well, you you
1: know I think you need to find somebody that you respect and uh, one of the best things you can do is figure out what you're good at figure out what you're interested in at but you also need to figure out what you're not good at um, I think one mistake that new trainers fall into and I did as well I thought hey I've got a certification I can I can do anything, I can build muscle, I can make you stronger, I can make you faster, I can make you lose weight, I can I can do it all, you know, and that's not true most of the time. You need to find one thing that you're really, really good at. I think you're much better off as a trainer having a vertical um, uh, knowledge base rather than Uh, something that's broad and horizontal that's lacking depth. Mm -hmm. Learn one thing really, really good, maybe even better than anybody else. Learn how to do that one thing really good, and then go out and find people who need that one thing, and you will be much better off being an expert at one thing rather than uh, a jack-of-all-trades of many things that you just can't really focus on. So focus on one thing and be really good at it. Go find somebody who is in that arena and go study and go learn. Um, And I I think that is by far uh, a better way to to go about it rather than just getting some kind of a certification and thinking that you can solve all problems. Mm -hmm. It's probably not gonna happen and you're probably gonna do more damage than good for those trainers who are out there fighting a good fight because people get a bad taste by failed experiences with trainers who
0: overcommit and can't really deliver. Yeah. So I agree. Learn a process, learn yourself, learn what you're good at, learn what you're
1: not good at, and study under somebody. This is a lifelong pursuit. This is not something I do part time. This is what I live,
0: eat, breathe every single day, and I have for many years now. Awesome, awesome. So do you have any like good resources that you like to look at or like listen to or read or watch that you know may help out like a beginner trainer at all? Oh, uh, yeah,
1: you know, you, you, you need that kind of constant influx of information. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's it's one of my personal goals is to read or study something every single day for personal development. Um, And it generally is something that also makes me um, grow as a professional as well. Um, I'm a big fan of... Well, first let me say, I learn better by listening Mm -hmm. and not so much by reading. Yeah. Seems to work with my lifestyle. Seems to work with my learning style. Um, So I listen, I'll listen to videos um, when I'm eating, when I'm food prepping um, sometimes even when I'm working out, it's kind of a weird thing um, but uh, listening to a podcast when I work out, depending on the type of workout and the intent and the purpose behind the workout can't do that when I'm doing a metabolic conditioning workout kind no. <laughs> <have music>. of yeah.
2: <laughs> well,
0: yeah.
1: sometimes when it's a lower stress kind of thing then yeah, uh, yeah I can get
0: away with it mm-hmm. uh, but certainly when I'm driving Sean Pastooch, I love their stuff and I love their message, Um, uh, I like Stan Efforting and um, Vertical Podcast, Um, anybody like that that comes from uh, a strength perspective, from a mindset perspective, uh, I'm a big fan of. Maybe for the entertainment value, mm-hmm. the Mind Muscle Project guys. Yep, yeah, I like those guys. Those guys are really good. Holy cow! Yeah, they uh, they are out
1: there and um, laugh out loud when I'm by myself. Sometimes listen to
0: those guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They they went. It, it's it's interesting that podcast. That's that's like one of the first podcasts I listened to for like fitness. They went from like strictly like all CrossFit to now like kind of like not poo pooing CrossFit, but just like. I'm like doing other things other than like you know CrossFit just to try to make their life better, you know, for fitness wise and for their clients as well. So, yeah, that's a really good one that I re- really like. Yeah, some of the
1: some of the and I enjoy uh, Ben Bertrand uh, a lot. Um, I like to listen to books on tape, audiobooks. Um, one that I'm listening to now is by Chris Boss. Chris Boss is a former lead negotiator for terrorist situations. Um and
0: just uh, his message is essentially everything we do is a negotiation, Mm -hmm. and in life, for you to be a good negotiator of life. And boy, what tremendous life lessons! So, uh, big fan of Chris Voss. Right now, I'm making my way through his audio book. Yeah, nice. Very cool. Very cool. So, uh, last question: So, where can people reach out to you if they have any questions uh, about like anything with fitness or pretty much like? Have a question about like you know, managing a gym or or whatnot. Yeah, sure, they can get me on Facebook and Instagram at Bradley Fitness One. That's Bradley B R A
1: D L E Y Fitness Number One. Um Bradleyfit.com is my website. And most of the time during the day I'm running a training.
0: Awesome. So, I mean, guys, I wish you were able to see behind him. His his home gym is amazing, absolutely amazing. Like this is goals that I want. So, like, I mean, I have I have some things. I don't have a power rack. I have like two squat racks made out of Home Depot, like you know supplies and and like bucket of cement. So, but <laughs> but it it works. So, but yeah. So, I mean, it it took him a long time to get where all of his equipment is right now. And especially like if you're trying to get a home gym, it's just slowly incorporate certain things and, and like like I would ask you, get the things that you really, really need compared to like the accessory stuff, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I started my home gym with a flat bench and a pull-up bar and dumbbells
1: that um, were kind of in my sweet spot. Um, you know, they weren't too light and they weren't too heavy. and learn how to modify for intensity based off of tempo and rest periods and volume sets and reps you learn how to make progress with that first and so yeah it doesn't take a whole lot no and then you pick stuff up and i did a lot of work on trade find somebody who's got what you want figure out what they want in exchange for it i did a lot of landscape jobs and a lot of trade out to be able to get what i need and you just you just slowly build and know it's it's the same kind of thing whenever you have something that you eat sleep live you find a way to be able to uh, make that part of your life so yeah what you see behind me in my gym uh it
0: just represents my life for the last 35 years Mm -hmm. awesome well brad thank you very much for being on the podcast I, i i truly truly do appreciate it and you know you're an absolute wealth of knowledge and like I said before, I always would throw stuff at you and see what your, you know, advice would be. And it's I really do appreciate for everything you've done for me as a as a personal trainer.
1: Well, I super appreciate it. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed the time that uh, that we had together in the gym. Uh, absolutely been watching what you do. I think what you're doing is a tremendous service to the Type One uh, community and and just for lifters and. I hope in some way I was able to benefit your people and uh, all you guys out there from Type 1, I hope I was able to encourage you, inspire you in some way. Um, just keep up, keep it up,
0: keep on doing what you're doing. It's it's beautiful. It's awesome. And, you know, I'm a big Thomas Lennon fan. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you very much. All right. Well, have a good one.
1: Yeah. All right. See you,
0: buddy. Bye.